Hello and welcome to a special edition of the In the Money Players Podcast. Going to be doing a video version of this one on YouTube as well as an audio version. This is our Delmar meet preview, but it's really our Delmar focus on opening day. Not going to be quite as much evergreen stuff as on the Saratoga show last week, but there will be some of it. I do have the guest from that show back with us. He is Race Lens power user and In the Money media regular, Matt Vagvolgi. Matt, how are things? Things are great, Pete. Things are great. It's uh, as much as I'm a uh, a New York homer, which I am, and uh, very much a Saratoga homer. I feel the summer doesn't really start until you get both Saratoga and Del Mar going at the same time. So happy to see Del Mar uh, in the fold for the uh, for the night racing. This is a question I'll ultimately get to asking both of you, but we'll start with you, Matt. How do you go about the difficulty of balancing everything there is to look at in the summer racing with? all the stuff going on at Del Mar and Saratoga and Monmouth and everywhere else around the country. Like, how do you make it work? How does your routine change from the rest of the year where you may have a more narrow focus? I don't know if it really changes much uh, for me with, uh, with two little kids, as you know, Pete nights and mornings are uh, of, of high value. Right. So, um, but I've always said, I feel this is the, the opportunity of utilizing data and having that streamlined and doing as much as you can with that stuff, whether it's, you know, stuff we're talking about with race lens or stuff that I do on my own in terms of a power index that I build, like a lot of that stuff I've streamlined. So I go data first and then I start to handicap and then spend the mornings building tickets and uh, going from there. I didn't even realize what a good plug that was for the sponsor of today's show. We'll get to talking about them in a minute, but it's time to introduce our second guest. You've been reading him covering California over at InTheMoneyPodcast.com for quite a while now. You did Low Sally, did Santa Anita. I know he's really excited about Del Mar, and he's doing some extra work for Del Mar with a daily diary similar to what Nick Tamaro is doing for Saratoga, and that will eventually be behind the InTheMoneyPodcast.com slash plus wall. Uh, which I encourage everybody to do. If you like the show, you want to support us, you get a ton of extra content and things like Dean's Diary. But we're pre uh, premiering it, previewing it, I guess I should say, this weekend. Pre we're doing both of those things this weekend uh, on the free side of things over at InTheMoneyPodcast.com, the blog. So, so check that out there. I'm speaking about my first editor of a horse racing book. He is Dean Kepler. Dean, what's going on? Hey, guys. Good to see you both. How are you? Can you believe it was like 20 years ago when we worked on Six Secrets of Successful Better? You know, sometimes I wonder, you just blink of an eye, it goes so fast. You know? They do that with kids, but you know, <laughs> work, work goes too. That's just, it's just unbelievable. It's, that it's crazy ago. stuff. How about we start with you in that same question? As you know, you use tech, you, uh, you're, I would call you a power user of DRF Formulator, especially the, the trainer tool in there. I know you're interested in learning more about Race Lens as well, but how do you balance all the extra work at this time of year? Yeah, you know, going to what Matt said, you know, I kind of approach it, you know, the same way. Um, I'm a big trainer stats driven guy. So, you know, all my handicapping usually starts there. Um, you know, three or four straight strong angles that I look for in most trainers, no matter what circuit it is. You know, and that doesn't really change, you know, for uh, Del Mar as well. Uh, you know, the basics of my handicapping starts there and then I start to incorporate everything else afterwards. 
As I mentioned before, today's show brought to you by Racelands. We do have a couple of offers I wanted to share. For new customers, you can sign up for an unlimited Racelands monthly subscription and get the first month for only $1. The promo code for that one is in the money. And then for former and current customers, you can try out Racelands or extend your current plan and enjoy 40% off any unlimited Racelands subscription. Promo code on that one, in the money, 40. We encourage folks to check it out. We'll have Matt do a little bit of demoing um, on this show. I should have mentioned already, later in the show, we're going to have a special segment looking at two-year-olds at Del Mar with Brad Free, with Jay Privman off in uh, Scotland doing his, uh, his, his dream trip of a trip to the Open over there, uh, the, the famous two-year-old piece that he typically does in Brad Free's capable hands this year. We're going to have Brad on to talk about that a little bit later in the show. But let's do this in a very practical way where we start off by looking at some specific races. Uh, Matt, we'll start with you. I, don't you think it's only appropriate to kick off with the very first race of this Del Mar meet? Sure, absolutely. I mean, uh, Bing Crosby bring, brings it in. Uh, we gotta, we gotta bet it, right? So, uh, yeah, you know, so you know, race one going a mile on the uh, on the dirt on Friday. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to take a look at uh, at the seven um, American uh, red, white, blue. Um, again, probably going to be the you know is a morning line favorite, but uh, most likely going to be um, your your post time favorite as well. Um, again, just you know, for me, I just I, I like this horse. I think it's the the right pace setup. Has the only uh, triple digits uh, late pace figure for Equibase, and I think it's going to be pretty fast up front. And I think we'll probably sit mid pack and uh, be able to make that run that run late. It is a competitive opening race, but I do feel that the pace setup here is going to sit well uh, for for the seven. And uh, I think we'll pick up the uh, pick up the pieces late. You're thinking this is a win bet, or are there horses you want to nominate to go with? Um, I'm going to try to get skinny here. I'm going to try to. I, I think I'll probably uh, look to lean on this horse uh, quite a bit. Um, I felt, uh, you know, the nine conundrum, I think is, is interesting as well. I think that's, that's also certainly, certainly a use. Um, I didn't like any of the horses that are going to be forwardly placed that, but here's the thing. This is where I, I would pump the brakes a little bit, especially on opening day, not understanding really how this track is going to, is going to play out. Who knows? Maybe it carries the speed and, uh, you know, I'm left, uh, I'm, I'm left with nothing in the end there. So, uh, just based on what I'm seeing though, and, and, and again, just, Easy way to look at it in terms of, of of late pace. If you wanted to to take a peek real quick to see, I got a hot pace that's that's gonna that's gonna play out right there. I just make that one click of late pace ranks all the horses in order. I get a really sound idea and a pretty big spread. Now I've kept like there's no way to do this on race lines, but I've kept this privately for myself. Anytime you see uh, um, really a five or more point difference, in this case a ten point difference. In late pace figures, it's usually pretty strong, pretty strong angle. So a uh, simple way that I, that I look at it, uh, look at it there. But uh, I'm going to lean pretty heavy on on the seven and uh, in the opener here at uh, Del Mar. Dean, let's bring you in to talk about this curtain jerker for the Del Mar 2022 meet. Are you with the favorite or against? Yeah, I'm uh, kind of in agreement with Matt on the seven here. Um, what I like about the seven too, he has a versatile running style, and you know if you whatever uh, pace projections you make, most people have this as a, as a fast pace. And I think what uh, benefits the seven here is, you know, he could be close to the front or he can sit off. Uh, he adds blinkers today. So you would think that perhaps he'd be closer to the pace, but you know, he has, he has shown the ability to close as well. So um, I, you know, I think he's a strong favorite here. Not that I would single him um, going forward in doubles or multi-race exotics. There's a couple more I would probably use in here. 
and I guess it's a, probably a good time to uh, talk about the the, the uh, ship and wind program that Delmore has. I mean, uh, if you go through the card, and I'm sure it's going to just increase as the days go ahead. You got a lot of shippers coming from Belmont, uh, Oaklawn, Churchill Downs, which you know you haven't, you know, you've seen some in the past, but I think this year you're going to see a bunch, and it certainly uh, adds to the colony of horses that you you know mainly only see in Southern California. So you have a lot of new faces. You know, which leads me to the two who's uh, coming off a claim at Churchill, which I've probably included my tickets to. Um, you got some good stats going there first off the claim. So I think it makes it a little bit interesting, the shipping in program. I think it's going to open up some uh, big fields and some a lot of opportunities that you wouldn't have uh, normally seen. Do you tend to lean towards those shipping in horses, Dean, or is this just one you're interested in? You'll take more of a wait and see approach and see how the horses from various circuits doing, or do you totally just evaluate them all on their own? How do you factor that into your bigger picture handicap? Yeah, I would think I'd probably lean on more of a wait and see approach and see, you know, see who does well here. I'm sure they all won't uh, run, you know, run that well, but I'm going to stick to my, you know, main stats of guys that uh, traditionally do well with off claims or, you know, off layoffs or equipment changes and stuff, um, you know, and see how they do. But I'm just going to, you know, take a more, more of a cautious approach to see how the first the first week pans out. Let's skip ahead. We talked about the first race in this opening early pick, the pick five. Let's go to the pay leg of this pick five. We've got two-year-old maiden fillies, Calbreds, going five furlongs on the dirt, a race I'm very curious to get both of your perspectives on. And Matt, we'll bring you back in to talk about this one, and we'll, we'll share your screen again as well. Yeah, this is uh, you know, obviously a, a competitive race, and, and uh, you know, like like a lot of uh, like a lot of two-year-old races, uh, some uh, educated guessing going on. So, um, you know, the horse I want to take a look at is is the five Chetakash, and this is you know I'm going to use this basically looking at more of uh, on a sire and and dam standpoint, um, just some pretty strong numbers uh, coming back. And uh, again, this is a competitive field. Obviously, you want to see the board uh, how uh, how that looks. Um, what I'll do, I'll, I'm just going to, uh, refresh this real quick. Um, you want, you want to take a look at, you know, what the board is telling you, obviously in any two year old race, but you know, any, any time you can see it in, um, you know, it's some, some, some stats that you can take a look at and maybe lean on a little bit more, bring it down here. I think this is interesting of, of, a, of a feature of race runs. Like I mentioned the last time, it gives you a lot of good information from, you know, trainer, uh, from, from jockey as well. Uh, but if you look down at the bottom here, it's going to give you some selected stats. And what they'll always include here are sire and dam lines here, just to give you a really good idea overall, looking at lifetime for, for these uh, particular, for the particular horse. And again, they jump off the page, right? I mean, we're looking at 25% winners on, on the sire side, 22% on the dam side, massive, massive ROI, you know, uh, 125 and 165 uh, percent, uh, respectively, um, decent median win prices. So if you go over to the right here, you're not, uh, you're not getting totally shoved with chalk there as well. So, um, I'm going to do this on a, on a, you know, a, a strict pedigree standpoint here. These numbers absolutely jumped off the page. And, uh, this is certainly Maldonado's, uh, preferred surface and distance as well. So I'm going to take a, I'm going to take a, a shot here with, uh, with the five, uh, in race number five, Chetta Cash. Dean, how do you see this one? Really important race. If, if you are playing the pick six, this kicks that off. And of course, the kind of funny Matt talks about wanting to see the board. You don't get that for the early pick five. You do get it for the pick six, which is nice. What are some of the numbers you think will be on your tickets? Yeah, I'm, you know, these kind of races, I always look for horses that have experience as opposed to first time starters. And I kind of lean that way, usually how I start off my handicapping with, you know, some of these maiden races. And that leads you to the, uh, the 
9 and 10 here, uh, Smoke and Cheetah and the Rain Song. And out of those two, I think the price is going to be the outside horse, the Rain Song. He really improved last time out. And then, you know, what I like about this horse is he followed up with a nice, nice work, um, you know, after that race, you know, which shows me, he's, you know, he's on the approve. He's drawn outside. It's a five furlong race. And I'm just going to take him over the horses that, you know, that haven't raced before. And getting back to my, you know, Matt's point, you know, with the five and also the four, they're both by sires that from limited starters have, you know, have done extremely well. And they'll, they'll definitely be on the, on the bottom of my tickets. Um, you got Danzig Hack by Danzig Candy. Who the last look was five for 22, 22% with his two year old juveniles and Cheddar Cash by uh, Straight Fire, who's four for 18, also 22%. So those are, you know, some really good numbers for uh, for sires and juvenile runners. So I think I've, oh, oh, the first time starters there, the four and the five, I think could be live in that spot as well. But I'm going to lean to the horses on the outside on my main ticket that, you know, have the racing experience. Let's zip ahead to some stakes action. We go on to race a traditional opening day feature, the Oceanside Stakes for these three-year-old Colts going one mile on the turf. Dean Kepler, we'll keep it with you for your thought on this one. Yeah, I'm going to go with, you know, a little bit of price in here. Um, I like number six, uh, Castellier for Wesley Ward, who was shipping shipping out for this race. Um, I went back and watched that replay at Belmont, and, uh, you know, it was something that you don't usually, you know, ordinarily see. Uh, the horse was very rank early. You know, kind of was wrangled back to try to, uh, you know, the jockey was trying to get him, you know, settled down. Finally got him settled down and, he, you know, he dropped back in the field and then came on again. And, you know, one, you know, quite convincingly. I like uh, Ward's confidence, you know, shipping this this horse uh, west here against Mike Smith. He's eight to one morning line. I think you're going to get, you know, that price or better on this horse. And, you know, he's, he's my upset pick to uh, to win the Oceanside here. I like it. Anything to go with, or you're pretty much going to get stuck in with the six? I'm pretty stuck in with the six here. I actually like them a lot in this spot. All right, that's great. And, yeah, I mean, I love that, you know, we, we have such an emphasis typically on the shows with horizontal betting, and you know, there's been a lot of chatter about horizontal betting and bet strategies. And one thing I realize is in my own play, even though we talk about horizontals all, all the time in the show because it's like an easy format for guests and whatnot, this way we're doing today's show, pick cherry-picking races with interesting horses to win uh, there's nothing wrong with that that's where i put most of my money and hey i don't discourage it you do it according to your own betting personality and whatever gives you the most fun but it's certainly um something that i i, I respect and, and i'm happy to do more on on these shows when the guests are, are game to cherry pick like that matt you also were a little bit interested in this race who did you come up with yeah i think i'm gonna get dialed in a little bit of a different direction here um is it uh Alkanov is Alkanov. Is that how you say it? Um, I, I just th this is for for multiple reasons, right? Number one, I feel like this is the exact horse that fits Raspoli, and and when I look at you know Umberto Raspoli going a mile uh, on the turf in general, it, it, huge numbers. If you look at it specifically for Del Mar, this is his preferred distance, preferred surface, and also on top of that, the combination of of D'Amato reaching for for Rispoli as well um I just feel that Rispoli fits this horse the best it's going to be a horse coming off the pace saving that saving ground that one big punch in the lane that's exactly uh Rispoli's type of ride I feel like this horse that that's what you're going to see with this particular horse here um just to give you some of the numbers here I'll pull up I'll pull up Rispoli going specifically a mile on the turf uh at uh, at Del Mar um you know 
these these numbers just jump off the page and and again i'll give you a you know last year 21% winners with 63 starters 18% roi if you look at this a little bit a little bit broader again 23% winners 22% roi for 140 starters so you're getting a nice big sample size just to put some of the data behind what what i mentioned in regards to um in, in regards to Rispoli going specifically mile on the turf at Del Mar, certainly something uh, that uh, that that he uh, that he does well. Um, I'll give you also another one too. You could do some, you know, combining, right? You could take a look at you know trainer jockey combinations. Uh, you know, this is more of a general one. Sometimes I'll drill down even further with with specific with specific tracks. But you know, again, when you look at Rispoli and uh, and Demato teaming up, I mean, these are certainly uh, two guys that get together with purpose. And uh, I think the numbers certainly certainly prove that. So last year, negative ROI catching on though, right? Public starting to catch on to 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 that particular combination. But again, if you stretch this out over five years, you still have a positive ROI. 136 races combined, 25% winner. So you know, again, I I, I feel like you know this is going to be a race where I want to lean on on uh, on Rispoli here. I think it's the right horse, the right setup his style perfectly. And I think some of the numbers certainly, uh, certainly back that up. It's compelling cases for both of these runners. I think I'll end up playing both of them. Let's skip ahead to the last race on Friday. We're going to talk about, we'll want you to stick around because we're going to talk evergreen angles. And then we've got Brad free coming up a little bit later in the program, but let's talk about the race. That's going to uh, pay off all of the late horizontals um, on this card race. Number 10, we go back, to the maiden ranks this is a three and up one mile turf race <laughs> big full field looks like a competitive way to wrap this card up dean we'll kick the ball back over to you and ask you uh who's going to put it in the net for this opening day closing race yeah i'm going to be focusing on two horses that'll be on my main ticket and that's number three uh pray for me ray who i bet last time and uh, had a terrible start and that's number nine clutch hitter you know, they're both coming out of the same race, the June 19th race. Um, the nine who's listed at 15 to one, you know, those in favor of gallop outs, which I am. Uh, this horse just galloped out way past the field. It just got on track too late. And, you know, I think uh, he should improve adding blinkers, making a second start. And getting back to my original pick number three, pray for me, Ray. It just had, you know, he seems to be on the improve. And I think if he could just get an alert break, you know, he's going to be right there here in the finale. I think he stretches out to a mile, which should be perfect for him. And I'm going to concentrate on those two horses coming out of that same race on my main tickets. Matt, how do you see this one? How are we going to get paid? Uh, I see it. I see it exactly the same. Um, so we're we're in lockstep here, uh, uh, Dean. And and one horse I'll I'll add some more in terms of the the number side of things is Pray for Me Ray. I mean that's a horse I think I'll probably lean on the most. Again, uh, it comes from from way out of it. Um, not necessarily a horse I fall in love with, especially going a mile here at Del Mar. Uh, does have a nice late uh, late pace figure. Obviously, Mike Smith is being very selective with his rides. Now it gets a little bit different when you go to Del Mar, right? It's not like Santa Anita where he shows up in you know in a random uh, in a random maiden race, right? And that's his only ride of the day. Um, but he's being selective. I think the numbers show that, and I think he's uh, I think he's selecting the right horses where he really does feel he's got a chance to pick up a check. And I really do feel that this is a horse that uh, that can certainly connect here and again it's a big field so i, I don't know i think you might get a, a halfway decent price on this horse um again you know the, the the numbers certainly show it for for mike smith they're they're you know again small sample sizes like that that pipey uh, uh going uh, dirt to turf angle again only eight starts but 
we've talked before about this value in small samples there. Massive $8 ROI there making that move. Um, but again, consistent winners there. And also I think Mike Smith is, is making the making the right choice here to stay aboard. So again, nice numbers for, for Mike Smith uh, riding uh, as of late. Uh, Pipey's got some good numbers here for this particular spot. So uh, I will say that uh, same horses, but I would say the one I'll probably lean on the most is going to be uh, Pray For Me Ray number three to end the card here at Delmar. Some consensus in our last race. That's always good. Lots of good ideas for opening day. I'm excited to get to, to, to betting it. I'll be pulling into where I'm staying at uh, near um, uh, Monmouth for the Haskell, and we'll have Delmar on pretty much the whole time. It's going to be good. Let's talk about some more evergreen-type angles for this meet. Matt, we did this exercise for Saratoga, and you hit pay dirt right away mentioning the one that leaps to mind is the Clement Rosario inner turf that helped lead a lot of smart viewers, not me, but a lot of smart viewers to, to city man on Friday. Curious if you wanted to highlight, I don't know, two or three angles in general, you're looking forward to pursuing. Maybe we'll do one at a time. We'll go, we'll go back and forth. Uh, we'll, we'll each, we'll each do two or three things. Um, but we'll start with you, Matt, to give us one angle in particular you're looking forward to checking out at the Del Mar meet this year. Yeah, one, one. I'll, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you a couple. Starting with the, starting, starting with the dirt. I think the theme is you want to be forwardly placed, right? You want to be forwardly placed, and so I, you know, project dirt. Uh, you know, if you look at, you know, dirt, both dirt sprint and dirt routes, right? Twenty nine percent for horses that are projected on the lead for dirt sprints, and if you're looking at dirt routes, twenty two percent winners uh, that are projected on the lead. What I also did was I looked at, you want to be on the inside, you want to be outside. Seems like the outside is where you want to be. What what you can do in Racelands is create an angle where you pick exactly what post positions you want to look at. So I did one um, looking at, uh, look at the dirt sprints, for instance, going uh, five, post five or more. And uh, again, some really good numbers that jumped off the page out of 67 starters, 31% winners and a positive 22%. ROI there. So again, want to be, uh, you certainly want to be uh, forwardly placed. If you can get a horse with top early and late pace, I mean, the, the numbers get even better. Uh, 40% winner sprinting on, on the dirt, uh, still a positive ROI of 5%. So in terms of those pace figures, those are just a couple of things that, that jumped out to, uh, that jumped out to me. Um, if I take a look at the, uh, if I take a look at the turf, um, you know, again, you can drill down to in the specifics, but I'll give you I'll give you one that I, th I feel is really interesting. If you look at turf sprints on the rail, right? So turf sprints on the rail out of 59 starters, 22% winners, 50% of them hit the board, right? So 50% of them are in the money in a, in a positive 20% ROI there. So that was one for sure that jumped out to me as as uh, being unique. But the, the one I mentioned about being you know specific, looking at uh, mile and three eighth races on on the turf. Late pace. If you look at that sustained run style with top late with a top late pace figure, uh, again only only ten races that went off at that distance last year, but forty percent of them were winners, uh, and you still get a nice positive ROI of thirteen percent. So uh, just some numbers there to look at both on the on the dirt and turf, uh, give you an idea of uh, some of the stats that I saw throughout last year that I thought uh, that I thought made uh, made a lot of sense. Um, <laughs> What I could do, Pete, if you want to walk through just a basic angle, I know we talked about that before. If we have time, if you want to do that, yes, now, I think we'll have time at the end. Let's come sure. back and 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 do that with something simple that won't, you know, we won't have to deal with the editing. The today's ended up being like a bit of a wild day, but if we can come up with something simple that we can show people how to do it, let's absolutely do that. But before we do, I want to bring Dean back in to talk about some of the angles 
and, and these can be angles along the lines of the way Matt took the question or, or more along the lines of just riders to watch, things you expect are going to happen. Just some thoughts, macro, high-level thoughts, Dean, as we are on the eve of the Del Mar meet for 2022. Yeah, I think the, you know, the one obvious interesting thing is, you know, Flavian Pratt moving his tack east, which I think really opens up this um, jockey colony. And I think it's, uh, you know, it could get very interesting, especially you have, uh, what's his name, Florent moving from, you know, his tack from Kentucky for the first time. He's got five mounts on opening day. It'll be, I, I see he's got a couple rides for Baffert. It'll be curious to see how he does uh, adjusting out there. And speaking of Baffert and, you know, keeping a trainer oriented, you know, Peter Miller had some horses that were legged up at Low Sal, but I think those two guys have been probably chomping at the bit, sitting on the sidelines for a while. Uh, I expect them to come out guns firing, you know, the first, the first week or two. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see them with uh, multiple wins, you know, the first couple of days, especially uh, getting through the weekend. So I would definitely keep my eyes on those two guys, you know, back for coming off his 90 day suspension, uh, Peter Miller, you know, taking that little hiatus for personal reasons for a couple months, you know, their stables are, you know, locked and loaded. And, I, you know, I'd be concentrating on those two guys. But as far as the jockey colony goes, Juan Hernandez, you know, ran away with the Santa Anita meet. Uh, you know, he has a good chance probably of being uh, leading riding, you know, out of Del Mar this year with Flavian, Flavian moving his, uh, his tackies. But, you know, I also like Rispoli on the grass. You know, he's been my main man at Del Mar on the grass. You think he's an excellent grass rider. Uh he had that short stint out in uh, Kentucky that didn't work out too well. He's back, you know, riding this summer. So he's, he's certainly a guy to look out, you know, for on the turf as well. I definitely agree. And I know that's a pet angle of Matt's we've talked about for a long time. Earlier in the show, when we talked about your approach to all these meets, Dean, you said you have a bunch of angles you'll look for when you're handicapping a card for trainers, almost regardless of what circuit you're looking at. Does it was one of those uh, leap to mind to share. I'm curious to just drill down a little bit deeper into that concept of an angle that might be evergreen across various circuits for a trainer. Yeah. I mean, you know, one thing that, uh, you know, I, I should probably mention, which I think is the most important, you know, when you, whether you're looking at, you know, uh, Matt stats, which are, you know, track specific, a lot of times in the form, you'll see, you know, a horse that's 30% off a claim, but they're, you know, they're not, they're not track specific stats. And I think that's huge, you know, just because a trainer does well first and second off the claim at Santa Anita doesn't mean he does well at Delmore or somewhere else. And I think that's a big mistake that uh, a lot of players make. They get locked into the stats they see maybe in the form, you know, and think that uh, a certain guy is going to do or a certain lad is going to do good with, you know, a, a horse that's first time started because it says he's 27%. He may be 2% at Delmore and 25% at Santa Anita. So I think that's, you know, if there's one thing I could uh, recommend to the players is, you know, it's got to be meat specific stats, you know, and I'm big on that. You know, as far as the main stats I look for, you know, I like to follow guys that claim horses. So the claim angle first and second off the claim. Horses coming off, uh, you know, long layoffs or short layoffs. Uh, you know, that's another angle. That's like my number two thing. You know, um, jockey, jockey trainer combos, uh, you know, especially at these, you know, Meet specific meets. There's going to be a bunch of guys that do do well together. You got to really pay attention to that. And the other thing, I guess, would be uh, equipment change. You know, horses uh, adding blinkers or Lasics. Another angle to look at. But those are mainly the three or four uh, that I would that I usually concentrate on. And that goes across from Delmore and you know anywhere else I'm playing. Actually, 
And to clarify, it's not that you're seeing, oh, blinkers on, this is a bet. It's you notice something like that and, or, you know, you see the, the layoff of one type or another and you say, okay, now I'm going to drill down on this and see how does this particular barn do? Because it could be something that's going to make you put a horse into the plus column, something that could put a horse into the negative column, or it could be completely neutral. But it's just like a way into the race and a way that you look at the world. Am I, am I explaining that correctly? Yeah, exactly. You know, and then, you know, with a lot of these angles today, you can really hammer it down into specifics. Um, you know, a guy may be good, for, you know, with a, a first time starter, but maybe all those first time starters were, you know, Phillies. You know, that's yep. something that's something that you can, you know, hammer in, and, you know, and get it really specific with. And I, you know, I think with the stats, you know, as specific as you can make them, uh, sometimes you have a, a mistake of over filtering where you could, you know, uh, take a stat and hammer it down to the fact that, you know, where it gets in your favor. I mean, I guess I, I, it's like a better way of putting it. Backfitting, you know. right? Is that called backfitting? Is that, is that what that is? <laughs> the way you want it to be, you know, all right, he's uh, this way, you know, the last two years, but, you know. Selective endpoints. That's the other stats concept that comes into play there that you have to, the kind of thing you really have to be wary of. Exactly. You have to be wary of that. You got to, you know, use common sense. Um, I like to keep stuff within the, the past two years or last week. Anything that's more current, obviously, you don't want to lean in that direction. But, uh, you know, if there's one thing I could drill down is the fact that you got to have meat specific stats because just because it's Southern California, you know, it can, can be completely different between Del Mar and Santa Anita. Great stuff. Appreciate that. We just have a couple minutes left. Matt, let's use them to demo how to build an angle. This was a frequently asked question that you and I both got after the Saratoga show. You have something you can uh, demo for us real quick? Yeah, absolutely. So again, this, this is kind of the main main screen. I'll do a basic walkthrough of, of what it looks like. So when you're building all of these angles, as you can see, I've got you know 153 active angles here. I've got a bunch that are inactive. So but when you want to build an angle, you want to take a look at it, um, you know, one of the jockeys that uh, that Dean mentioned, looking at Juan Hernandez, uh, I call him uh, one of my COVID jockeys of uh, handicapping Golden Gate when he was still up there. Fell in love with this guy. I just felt I loved. I, I just loved the way he rode. I had confidence. If it was a, a horse I expected to be on the lead, uh, you know, he he always came through. So he's a guy I definitely followed down to uh, Southern California and has continued that uh, continued that great run. But so let's say we want to we want to create an angle. So um, here's kind of the basic main screen that we showed you the last time. So let's kind of walk through it. So what I want to do is I mentioned before, you know, speed being deadly. I projected on the lead with dirt sprints being pretty deadly. So I wanted to drill that down. And let's say we use Juan Hernandez and say, okay, what about horses sprinting on the dirt at Del Mar that are projected to be on the lead at first call? You know, how is how is Juan done in that particular situation? So a way of drilling down a little bit more. I'm not just using it in, in general. So if I want to do the track, right. I'm going to click on my filter here. I'm going to type in Del Mar, right. So Del Mar pops up, click on it. Once that's added, you'll see this button here, add to criteria, right? So click there, you'll see it show up. So now that's going to be part of the angle building process in the, in the whittling down of data that I want to take a look at um, for the jockey part of it, or actually let's, let's stick with the filter. If we look at the uh, look at distance, Right. Or if we do, we'll go to surface, keep that as dirt. Right. Go back to filter again and the distance. Now the distance, you can be laser specific to exactly the distance you want to go to. Let's kind of do a catch all and let's say it's going to equal the sprint distance. Right. 
So we equal the sprint. So again, we got Delmar dirt equal the sprint. Now it's going to, we're going to whittle this down a little bit more, take a look at both the horse pace style, and we're going to look at the jockey as well. Right. So let's take a look on the jockey side of things. Now you could do a lot of different preset stuff, right? You can see like, you know, the hot jockey angle, but you know, you can look at it from you know, first time riding first off a trainer switch, but I'm going to use the list here. So this is basically when I click on this, it's going to open the universe of every jockey. And when I say it opens the universe of every jockey, it opens the universe of every jockey, right? I've run uh, many, many angles with uh, Juan Ortiz Jr. Uh, by mistake <laughs> when I meant the, to, 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 to run it for Jose Ortiz. So just be aware, be aware of that. And of course, you know, the, the, the one I'm going to choose here is, you know, going to be There's a little a bit, a uh, little bit, a little bit popular, right? Yes. So obviously you got to scroll down, you got to scroll down and see it, but you'll, you'll, you'll get to it. We want to find Juan Hernandez. Um, let's see, let's get him here. Where is he? Come on. It's got to be in there somewhere. And I hope, by the way, he doesn't know that you call him one of his COVID jockeys. He may take that the wrong way. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Uh, all right, let's, let's, let's try Scroll this down a little bit. You're, you, he should be there. Yeah, looking for. Uh, we can always edit this out, but I'm tempted to leave it in as long as we don't get to complete. Uh, there we go. Yeah, there, there he is. Right. So, like I said, I picked the best jockey to have uh, the most common name. <laughs> you got a weird name in there, you'll catch it quick. See, if I was a jockey, you'd find me right away, right? <laughs> so we we find Juan, we get him into the mix here, right? Right. So we've got Juan Hernandez as the jockey. Now I'm going to look at the profile of of the horse, right? So, like I mentioned, I want to see horses that are projected to be on the lead at the first call. So if I click on horse, you'll notice here, and I, this is one I would say I use the most, but you can find just about anything, class, stage, post position, the morning line. You could do morning line factors of morning line versus closing line, right? I find that to be interesting with different trainers doing certain For sure. Things. When, when getting bet down matters. Yep. Absolutely. So if you look at the run style of the horse, right, this is what gives you kind of those classic run styles, right? Early, early presser, sustained presser, right? But the one I'm going to use here is this right here. So the projected to be on the call or projected to be on the lead at first call. So I'll add this one in here, add that to the criteria, right? So you got all everything that you need. So you're drilling down in this particular angle here, right? So I'll put this as, uh, you know. What naming conventions do you use? You always put the track first and then just a little quick summary. Yeah, yeah. So I'll put the track first, or if it's a general angle, I'll put trainer. If it's if it's you know general jockey, I'll put jockey. Gotcha. Uh, that sort of thing. Um, so it depends. If it's track specific, I'm always going to put the track because it's going to be easier for me to find it when I want to pull that out and, and take a look to see uh, to see uh, see what we're doing. So I'll put Hernandez. I'll put uh, dirt sprint. Uh, projected speed. Okay, so you got to name it. And once you name it here, you'll hit have the save button here. Once you click save, that's when that's when Racelens will go to work and start to start to save that criteria to build that for you, and then look at to see what your what your final results are are going to be. Right. So I'll pop back and I'll show you where to find it. Right. So that's the thing. So once you get all of this done, right, you run that you run that angle. It's, there's going to be a specific spot where this is going to jump up, and and uh, so you'll you'll be able to find it and and pull up these specific stats that, that you're looking for. It right? doesn't just pop up on that same screen. You're saying 
no. So once this once this does reload here, I'll show you. So on this button right here, this alerts tab is it will will light up when that's finished. Okay. Again, for today, I didn't want it to to you know depending on on the timing of it. But if you go back to managing your angles, you'll be able to pull up the full list again of all of your angles and then be able to scroll down and find it. So it's going to go all the way down to the end is where you're going to find your most recently run angles. So so again, this one right here. So we did Delmar for Juan is going to bring up all of your data criteria. Again, Delmar, Dirt Sprint, Juan Hernandez on the lead, projected first call, and then the back test. So once we click on here, that's what's going to bring up your final numbers and take a look to see how this particular how this particular angle went. Now, again, when you're drawing larger data sets, when you're doing different things, it may take a bit longer than others. Obviously, we're doing a live demo might take a bit longer there as well. But once once you once you build that there, you're going to be able to see you're going to be able to see the uh, you're going to be able to see the final number. So let me just see if I can get this get this back up, and uh, and I'll be able to show you the final results here because they're pretty interesting, right? Again, looking at Juan Hernandez as someone that you want to have on a horse that's projected to be on the lead. Again, the one year is dragging in a weird result of having just the four starters, but you can yep. see some pretty massive numbers here. But if you stretch this out over five years, I mean, yes, he hasn't been riding long at Del Mar. So this is a career stat if you look at the five-year side of it. But with 22 starters, 32% winners, and a 99% uh, ROI, I mean, what it's telling me is that my thought of having Juan on a horse that wants to be forwardly placed and then looking at Delmar specifically of really grabbing that opportunity and going to the to the front end, knowing how successful these horses are, giving an example, an idea of how you can really crunch those numbers uh, pretty easily and come up with a specific angle with a specific jockey that can give you an edge uh, in some of these races. It's great stuff. Appreciate that demo. Appreciate your time today, Matt. You too as well, Dean. Appreciate our sponsors at RaceLens. Stick around. We've got another segment of the show coming up, Baby Talk, sponsored by Gainsway. Brad Free going to be talking about uh, some of the two-year-old action on this opening weekend. And in addition to that, going to be talking about some of the two-year-olds to maybe keep an eye on throughout the meet that we've seen. Guys, we'll see you soon. See you, The next segment on our Del Mar preview show we pivot to our friends over at Gainesway and we're going to bring you some discussion of the Delmar two-year-old scene we kick it off with a man whose opinion on California racing I always want to hear still the author of one of the best books if you want to get started out as a horse player in handicapping 101 you read his work in the pages of the daily racing forum he is Brad Free Brad what's cooking Everything's cool, Pete. I'm look. I always look forward to summer, not only for Del Mar but also Saratoga. The Del Mar summer meet is all about top class grass racing, but also probably just as important, maybe more so, is the two year olds. The good two year olds tend to de debut down at Del Mar, and there's going to be some, you know, eventual stars make their career debut this summer at Del Mar. I'm looking forward to watching some of them run. We're going to get into that in a minute. Let's start off with some specifics. We're going to skip Friday when we have um, we do have a two-year-old race, a Calbred race that we talked about earlier in the show, actually. But with you, I want to pivot to Saturday. When you talk about the top-level two-year-old races, we've got this full field of maiden two-year-old fillies going five furlongs on the dirt, only one of whom has uh, made it out to the races before. Very curious to hear 
where your eye goes in here, what you might have been hearing about some of these babies. Well, Michael McCarthy has a couple in this field, and I am interested actually in both of them, specifically the rail, uh, right reason. She's a daughter of Into Mischief, and just watching some of her workouts on XBTV.com, this filly can flat out run. McCarthy has a reputation as not being a guy who cranks up babies to win first time out. Things are changing, though. Michael McCarthy's status has been elevated and he is getting increasingly better stock. And when you get better stock, you win more often with first time starters. He's already won two races this year with debut two year olds and Delmar hasn't even started yet. That's something that was previously unheard of. So I like the workouts on number one, right reasons. She's by into mischief. That's certainly a win early sire. Her workouts in company have looked very impressive. She's drawn on the rail, and that's not always the best place to be for a first-time starter, no matter what the age is. But right reasons looks like a filly who can run. And his other filly, uh, Spitestown filly by the name of Spicy Bug, also has worked fairly well for her career debut. I'm leaning toward the rail. Uh, McCarthy puts his top guy, Victor Espinosa, aboard on right reasons. And if she's really six to one, I don't normally get involved on first time starters, two year olds, but at six to one, she definitely intrigues me. I was very curious that about the morning line price on number 11, Halos in Heaven. And I'm not saying the price is wrong, but Halos in Heaven is a daughter of Curlin going five furlongs. So I'm just, it, it just seems like a very unusual, um, a, it seems like a low price. Let's put it that way. She's by, he, by Curlin produced by champion Philly Indian Blessing. So you go, well, wow, maybe she's getting all her speed from her dam. Indian Blessing has not really been the greatest broodmare sire so far. Her progeny have had modest success and Halos in Heaven, I, I just don't, I don't see her as a sensible wager at five to two. So I'd probably be gambling on the Michael McCarthy trainee. Peter Miller is a guy also who is, is interests me. In fact, he told me early this week that he has a deeper group of two-year-olds this summer than he has ever had. And he wins a lot of races with two-year-olds. He His uh, debut filly by Arrogate is number five and Tell Me No Lies appears to have trained well at San Luis Ray Down. So I would expect Peter Miller to be very active uh, in the two-year-old ranks. And I should have mentioned earlier that uh, Halos in Heaven is trained by Bob Baffert, who wins more two-year-old races at Del Mar than anybody. But as we sit here two days before the Saturday card, Pete, I'm very interested in number one right reasons listed on the morning line at six to one. Few things to follow up on. I am guessing, looking at those bullet workouts, seeing the trainer, there's probably some stories around about that that horse uh, on the outside, uh, who is actually technically on the uh, the AE list. Halos in heaven. We'll see. Just needs one scratch in that in that body of the field at this point to to draw in. Or was there already an early scratch? And is, is she definitely getting in? Yeah, she's getting in because Baffert had two in the field, including number 10, Fast and Shiny, and Fast and Shiny is already out. So um, between the two, I suspect that Baffert probably prefers to start Halos in Heaven. And Halos in Heaven actually worked in company with Fast and Shiny and was much the best in the team workout. So gotcha. she's drawn outside. Halos in Heaven, maybe she'll come out firing. Maybe she'll win first time out. I, I'm just not – that's not the type of price that I'm interested in. When you're gambling on two-year-old – First-time starters, that's it. You're gambling. And if you're gambling, you don't want to take a low a low number. 
And yeah, you would think from the sire side of the pedigree anyway, it might be a little sharp going the flat five. You also mentioned about trainer stats changing over time with first time starters. And I think a lot of the time it has to do with who they're training for. And when you see uh, a team up like the Spendthrift McCarthy one, not one we've seen historically, that's the kind of thing you can really look for pointers. I mean, I'm, I'm digging into the mothballs here now, Brad, to bring out this angle. But I'm, and I've mentioned this before on the shows, but I don't know, gosh, 20 years ago, 15 years ago at Saratoga, Nick Zito, another guy never known for winning with first-time starters, started working with Bob LaPenta, buying all these speedy two-year-olds at the sale. And, and one year you won, you know, four or five two-year-old races. So you got to pay attention. You got to be nimble when it comes to these two-year-old angles. And that's a decent segue to my next general question for you as a horse player. Which way do you lean when you're evaluating two-year-olds? Are you looking at workouts? Are you looking at pedigree? Are you looking at trainer stats? Or is it really a combination of all of the above? Yes, yes, yes. I look at all of them. Um, you know, now that XBTV.com has become kind of a tool for handicappers, it allows us to be present in the morning, even if we don't roll out of bed until, you know, well after the sun comes up. Um, I tend to get up early, but I'm not at the track at, at dawn. Um, but we can watch a lot of these workouts on XBTV.com. So that is one um, tool to use. I also lean heavily on clockers like Andy Harrington for National Turf, Toby Terrell for uh, DRF. Um, so I, I subscribe to both of those clocking services. I look at pedigrees. Yeah, I don't really expect a curlin to come out firing at five eights. That's why I'm kind of anti-Baffert in the very first open baby race of the season with Halos in Heaven. So I'll look at pedigrees. Has the dam produced any win early type runners? That's another thing. And then, of course, the trainer. But you can't get locked into these trainer angles because, you know, as I mentioned earlier, Mike McCarthy used to be a guy that, well, they probably just are just giving him or her a race. That's no longer the case. He has better stock. They are well prepared and they come out firing. So that's a long winded way, Pete, to answer, to answer your question. I use all of the above pedigree, trainer, workouts. Let's talk a little bit more about Peter Miller and Bob Baffert specifically. The guys on earlier in the show both put in for the idea that these guys waiting on the sidelines, they come here loaded for bear. You make a good case against this. They're going to be a very short priced horse likely for Baffert in the Saturday race. But generally speaking, what are you personally expecting from the Baffert and Miller runners early in this meet? Uh, well, I would expect the best Baffert trainees to make their career debut at distances longer than the five furlongs that Halos in Heaven is running on Saturday. Baffert, the, the top Baffert two-year-olds, in fact, the top two-year-olds, not just Baffert, but, but most guys, they're not looking to, you know, get a, a horse all cranked up to win a five furlong race. In fact, I know a couple guys who are actually sitting on two-year-olds that are just about ready to run, but they want to wait for a little bit longer distance. Distance. One of those is a, a, a trainee by the name of Ultimate Gamble, who is trained by uh, Mark Glatt. And they spend a million five on this two-year-old, but it, they think he's a two-turn horse. He's just about ready to run, but they're not going to run him five-eighths. Glatt is waiting for hopefully a six-and-a-half down the road, and he doesn't even expect him to necessarily win first time out but he wants to give that horse a chance to finish and Baffert the same thing some of his top two-year-olds in fact Corniche who turned out to be the best of all of them did not make his career debut until September and Baffert's top or most expensive two-year-old this year a 3.5 million dollar 
two-year-old by the name of Hajazi, has a workout pattern similar to what Corniche looked like one year ago. So I would expect Baffert's long-range derby-type prospects to not make their career debut until later in the meet. As for Peter Miller, I think it's always a go with him. Surprisingly, his stats are not that great, but I think that that's, it could be an aberration. The Miller two-year-olds, I believe, at least I hope so, because I'm picking some of them. I might even be betting on some of them. I think that the Miller two-year-olds this summer are going to be ready to roll first time out, including the first time starter uh, Saturday in race number five, and tell me no lies. Right, we're going to keep our eye on those two, of course, even more than usual. There's nobody better versed to talk about the two-year-old scene out there at Del Mar than you, because you've been doing a little bit of extra homework. A couple of the last several years, in fact, I, if I'm remembering this right, you've pinch hit for the most anticipated column about California racing of the year in, in many ways that Jay Privman usually writes. The, the Essentially, the, the barn tour, not just of a single operation, but of the whole backstretch, we're not going to give away the store here. We're going to tell people you got to go to drf.com and read uh, Brad's piece, which should be easy to find and be surfaced there. But I did want to have you hit on uh, a couple of the highlights. And also maybe we'll start with this one, Brad. How do you prepare for a piece like that with such a potentially vast topic? Yeah, well, it's it's not easy. And and there's a there's a lot of uh, background and legwork involved. It begins at the at the sales, really. I read all the stories that are that come out of sales. Who is the high priced horse where sometimes when a, a horse goes for a big ticket, the um, the buyer or whoever's the agent for the buyer will say, yeah, this horse is going to Bob Baffer. This horse is going to the East Coast. So I follow all those. I watch the workouts. Baffert two-year-olds are most of them anyway, generally begin their early training, racetrack training down at Los Alamitos with Mike Marlowe. So I monitor the work tabs at Los Alamitos. Uh, unfortunately, from at least from, from my perspective, Baffert was reluctant to speak about his two-year-olds this year. I, I'm not exactly sure why, but he didn't want to, and I respect that. So it, it, it requires a, a lot of legwork. Looking at the sales results, uh, identifying horses that have been work, working regularly and are expected to make his or her debut during the summer. And then, of course, I just talk to people out at the track. I mean, some guys enjoy talking about their stable. I wish everybody was like that. Most of them actually are, and they're proud of it. Um, so John Sandler has a really good group. Uh, this year, uh, Simon Callahan has a couple of good ones. I mentioned the Mark Glatt Ultimate Gamble. Um, so those are some of the guys that I talk to. And yeah, just a lot of legwork, but it's, it's not, I'm not complaining at all. It's fun stuff. I enjoy talking racing with horse race, right, with horse trainers. And they, they enjoy, they like to brag a little bit on some of their, their horses <laughs> as well. Yeah, the Baffert thing, who knows? I mean, his status uncertain, certainly for the Kentucky Derby. I, I get him being a little cagier than he normally would be given just the uncertainty of that whole situation. Is there a horse in particular, you know, again, I don't want to give away the whole store, but you know, outside of the, the several that you've name checked already, maybe one from that piece or that you've heard about since or, or whatever, just, just a two-year-old in particular, you have a feeling you might be wagering on, or at least watching with great interest when they debut at Del Mar. This yeah. Year. As far as wagering, probably not because the ones, the, some of the ones that I highlighted in the story, um, they're not, you're not going to get any value on them whatsoever. I am looking forward to the debut of Ultimate Gamble later in this meet for Mark Glad, who I think is a 
top, top trainer. I'm also looking forward to the career debut of a Justify Colt by the name of Nuclear. He's trained by John Sadler. He's only worked, has two published workouts, but Sadler told me a week ago, this horse is going to come to hand quickly. They spent a million five on him as a yearling. The first crop of Justify, he actually worked a bullet on July 17th, three furlongs at Santa Anita in 35 and four. So I would expect Nuclear to come around quickly and make his debut sometime in the month of August. I'm looking forward to both those two-year-olds, Nuclear and Ultimate Gamble. But again, as far as wagering goes, I think that value went out the window when the hammer dropped at auction. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. But it's still great to know who the hype horses are going to be, who to keep an eye on. I encourage everybody to check out that piece on DRF.com. If you're not reading Brad's analysis daily in the pages of the Daily Racing Forum, you're doing it wrong as well. Definitely check that out. Well, well thank you, Brad, one more time. I also want to thank our sponsors, Gainsway. That's who this segment is brought to you by. From top international bloodlines to rising stars on American soil, Gainsway's put together a stallion roster that is not only primed for future success, but is currently making its mark on the track, led by Caraconti's rising star, Spenderella, who ran so well at Royal Ascot. Make sure to check out their entire roster for 2022 and see for yourself the power, passion, and performance of Gainsway. As for you, Brad, if it wouldn't be too much of a bother, we'd love to reach out to you to have you on, you know, at some point during the meet. Maybe handicap a pick six carryover, or uh, I guess we don't have so many of those at Del Mar. Pick six mandatory payout, or just have you chat about some racing? Anytime, Pete. But if we're talking pick six, it has to be on a mandatory payout day. I have no interest in playing it any other time. I, I, I tend to agree. All right, my friend. Good stuff. Really appreciate it. We will be talking soon. Sounds good, Pete. Talk to you then. That is all the time we have on the show. We are going to uh, close it out here. But really appreciate all the guests who appeared on the show today. Want to thank our friends and partners all across the In The Money Media Network, our founding partners, 10 Strike Racing, the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation. This show has been a production of In The Money Media. Our business manager is Drew Coatney. Our chief creative officer is Jonathan Kinchin. I'm Peter Thomas Fornatel. May you win all your photos.